thank you. Thank you, Oxford. Um, what a beautiful city this is. I didn't realise just quite how lovely it was, and it lives up to all the hype. Congratulations. Um, firstly, I must apologise for my facial hair. I'm making up my mind about whether to grow a beard or not, and I'm, I haven't made up my mind yet, and that shows. So I, I apologise. for. Well, I'm on my way. I'm erring on the side of getting one again. But all men have beards. That's one for the Q&A later on. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a point. Who, who here has been on the Alpha course? A few of you, excellent. Who, who'd never heard of the Alpha course until you saw about this talk? So a couple, oh, quite a few of you hadn't heard of it. That's, that's interesting. Um, have, have anyone, does, uh, does Oxford have an Alpha course running at the moment? It does. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, I remember Heather saying. Excellent. And so those of you that have been on the Alpha course before, did any of you go on there as, as atheists, like, like what I did? Or did you go on? Excellent. Uh, have, have I got any um, people here that have been on the Alpha course as, as Christians and who are, who are pro-Alpha course? Excellent. Because um, I, I prefer when people that have been on the course as Christians come along to these talks, because then if I say anything that's not true... I can be immediately picked up on it, and, and I want you to do that, because um, this, this is all about truth and understanding. Um, any, right, this is my last bit of audience interaction until the end. Uh, are any of you considering going on the Alpha course seriously? Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, uh, well, it's one of those things about this talk is that... Um, I think some of you, some of my conclusions might surprise you. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you decide whether you're surprised or not for yourself. Now, the the talk is broken up into three parts. Initially, I tried to describe what the Alpha Course is, what it's supposed to do, and um, how big it is, what its impact on the world really is, so you can uh, see it in a bit of a context. And then the middle part of the talk, I I go over a few of the the weekly sessions and talk a little bit about the, uh, the theology that they, that they discuss on the Alpha course. Uh, we just go over a few of the sessions. Then the final part of the talk demonstrates a couple of their, their teaching methods. So by the end of this, you will feel like you've been on the Alpha course. Um, and uh, yeah, I, again, I apologize for that in advance. The, uh, the Alpha course it started in 1977. So it's one year older than I am. Just to put that into context, uh, it has grown more than I have grown in, in my life. Uh, it started off in just one church, Holy Trinity Brompton in London. And uh, that church is called HTB for short, and I'll be referring to HTB quite a lot. So HTB, it was where Alpha Course was founded in 1977, and it's the international headquarters. The, the vicar that runs HTB is also the pioneer of, of the Alpha Course. Um, it was initially started as a as a, a short course that refreshed existing Christians' views about what it meant to be a Christian. Um, a lot of people call themselves a Christian, but when actually pressed on it, they don't know much about what Christianity actually says or what the Bible says. The Alpha Course is there to, to fill those gaps and to um, act as a refresher course for existing Christians initially. Um, as the 80s dragged on, it became more of a course for, well, as much of a course for people that were completely new to Christianity as it was for people who were already into Christianity. And that's, that's when it, it, it changed from something that was uh, an inward-looking thing to something that could potentially spread out across the world. Now, it, through, through the 80s, it didn't grow that much until a, a vicar called Nicky Gumbel took over at HTB. He is still in charge of, of Alpha Course. He literally rewrote the script and made, made the course into... He put it into a format that's very, very easy to duplicate without any real training. Um, he, the, the script is one that you can, you can know nothing about Christianity, and if you read out the Alpha Course script, you will have successfully delivered the Alpha Course to those that are there. So it's very, very easy to spread. Um, as I say, there is literally a script for it, and I'll look at that script a bit more closely later on. So since Nicky Gumbel took over, the Alpha Course has, has grown hugely, and I'm just going to go over some of, the, some of the figures first so you can get in your head a model of what the Alpha Course looks like in, in, the, in today's world. So bear with me as I read out numbers to you that you can read yourself. Um, oh, yeah, just, just, I, I threw this in there before I came because um, who saw David Cameron's Easter message a couple of months ago? Brilliant. 
Well done. Uh, David Cameron, in this Easter message, the traditional Prime Minister's Easter message that we're all so familiar with, he, uh, he spoke about the work of the, the Church of England, in particular the Alpha Course, and how it was doing a great job of getting into prisons across the UK. And what he was doing there was equating the teaching of Christianity with the teaching of how to be a good person. And that, that happens a lot in, in our culture. Um, so David, David Cameron is pro-Alpha Course. And you think, well, that's fine. It's a, we've got an established church in England. It's fine for the Prime Minister to support something that promotes the C of E. But by the end of this talk, I hope you'll find that it's a bit weird that he might support... Well, if you agree with me, you'll see, it, see that it's a bit weird that the Prime Minister supports a course that does some of the things that this course does, and which I will show you. So, right, uh, back to the numbers. Um, now, there are at least 66,000 courses available in 162 countries. That is many, many thousands of courses in many countries. Uh, when I wrote this slide, they, the claim was that they just achieved 20 million attendances to Alpha Course. They now claim it's 25 million, just a couple of years later. Uh, I've got no reason to disbelieve them, but we don't know whether this is people that have been to one session and never returned, whether it's people that have been to the entire course, or whether it's people that have been to multiple courses. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's reaching millions of people and it is growing. At HTB, the home of the Alpha Course, 75% of the attendees are aged between 18 and 35. It's largely aimed at the, the younger end of the age spectrum and it, it tries to be something that people find interesting and exciting and that they actually enjoy, which is a, a, novel, a novel tactic. Uh, between 2010 and 2011, the number of people that went on the course increased by a third. So when you might have come across the Alpha course, you, you may have thought it was a bit of a, a fringe thing that was just bubbling away in the background, but, or even something that was dying out with the church. But it is actually growing rapidly right now. This isn't something which I think we can ignore anymore. And should you find yourself in prison, there's an 85% chance that you will be offered the Alpha course. That's a weight off your mind. <laughs> uh, there's very little probability that you'd be offered a humanist course or any other, or any other course. The Alpha course gets into prisons um, because you know, there's, there's an interest on, on both sides. The prisoners get something out of it and the Alpha course get something out of it as well. Make your own pun up about a captive audience there. I always, always mess it up, so insert it yourself. So internationally, I'm going to just talk about the growth of the Alpha Course across the world. In India in 2007, there were only 100 courses available, but by 2012 in India, there were 20,000 available. So that obviously accounts for a lot of the growth that we see internationally on, in the Alpha Course. Uh, apparently, it's going down very well in China and in India. Uh, China is where they are claiming to see their most rapid growth at the moment, which might, might surprise you. So yeah, again, out in Asia, the numbers are increasing rapidly as we speak. So this is a, a nine-week course telling non-Christians what it feels like to be a Christian, to live as a Christian, as a practicing Christian for those nine weeks. And it's also a refresher course for people who are already Christians to uh, buttress and reinforce their own faith and their own identity as, as Christians. So I decided to go on the Alpha course in, in Brighton, where I was living at the time. And I did so for a few reasons, which brings me on to when I met Richard Dawkins, who... He's a, he's a very much misunderstood chap these days, but he's a, he, he was a hero of mine, and he was, a, he was doing a talk at the House of Lords a couple of years ago. It was a freedom of speech rally. Afterwards, at the end of his talk, I realized that in my, in my bag I had a book, and in that book I had a bookmark, and that bookmark was my name tag from the Alpha Course residential weekend, which I went on and which I'll tell you about too. Uh, this, is, this is that name tag. I thought it would be very amusing for everybody if I asked Richard Dawkins to sign that name tag. Um, I thought it was a genius idea. Um, I, so I approached Richard Dawkins afterwards and I said, I, I, I love your books, thank you for writing them, I really, really enjoy reading them. Will you autograph my Alpha Course name tag? And he looked at it and he said, Why did you do it? <laughs> like that. 
And that, that stumped me a little bit because I've always thought of Richard Dawkins as a scientist, primarily. And the last question I was, I was expecting, sorry, the last response I was expecting to get from Richard Dawkins was asking me why I went to find out about something. You know, why was I curious about this thing? Why did I want to find out about this thing for myself rather than uh, relying on my um, assumptions about what it was? Um, so I just said, well, I was curious, I suppose. And uh, that was the end of my interaction with Richard Dawkins. <laughs> um, he, did, he did sign it. He did autograph my name card as far away from the Alpha Course logo as possible, <laughs> very grudgingly. And because I found this so amusing, I now use it as the official bookmark of my Bible. So whenever I do read my Bible, I am guaranteed a little chuckle. And I will be as long as I live. And the, the one other reason that I went on the course, aside from just basic curiosity, was I've got this thing. I've got a bit of a problem with skeptics and humanists and your average atheist. In that you know, we all think of ourselves really as being quite clever but what we're really good at as humanists and atheists is finding reasons not to do things. If someone proposes an idea, we think about it very, very hard until one person comes up with a good reason not to do it. And we're like, okay, well, we're not doing it then. We've, we've done our bit. But if we're so clever, we can think a bit further than that and think of one good reason to do it, stop it there, and then do the thing. So I decided to find one good reason to go on the course, and that was curiosity. What more do you need? So a bit about Nicky Gumbel, who is the pioneer of the Alpha Course. That's what he calls himself. Um, there's, there's no better name for it. There's Overlord or... Um, yeah, Overlord suits him. But he, yeah, he's the pioneer of the Alpha Course. He's the guy that rewrote the script and, provo- and uh, wrote all the materials that are available to anyone that wants to put on the Alpha Course, including this, this handbook. So when you go on the Alpha Course... It's free for a start. You don't have to pay a penny when you get there. And you get, off, you get given this, this handbook, which they've revised since then. But uh, this handbook has got all of the sessions in there and all of the notes and all the um, reading recommendations. Um, I'm just going to pass it around so you can have a look at it through the talk. Um, now, what you'll notice is that there's a lot of writing in this. A lot, I did a lot of scribbling because when I first started on the course, I wanted to take down every word that was being spoken, uh, that, that I was hearing, so that I could then go and blog about it. Like, what, again, what a proper atheist does. You don't do anything without blogging about it. Um, so it's only after about four weeks that I realized that I could just download the scripts from the course. So that's when the writing in here stops. But um, yeah, have, have a, a glance through it just so you can get an idea of the, the language that they use. So that, that was Nicky Gumbel that created that. So he's still the vicar at HTB. And do any of you know who he's good chums with? Correct. Top marks. Justin Welby is his mate, who is better known as the Archbishop of Canterbury. Him. He. So Justin, Justin Welby, he's the, the current Archbishop of Canterbury. A lot of people don't realise that um, until the early 80s, he wasn't really a practising Christian. Uh, he had a, a, a tragedy happen in his family, and he started going along to church, and he happened to start going along to HTB. This is where he found his faith, as you might say, and became a, a practising Christian. And it was while he was going to HTB that he decided to become a priest himself. Um, bear in mind, this, the, the early 80s, this is... Uh, the, the early days of the Alpha Course while it was being developed. Now, I don't know for certain whether he actually went on an Alpha Course, but he was definitely part of that congregation um, that was the congregation that was coming up with the Alpha Course. So w- when, he, um, when he first applied to get ordained, he was turned down by the Church of England. But he tried again, but this time he was um, supported by Sandy Miller, who was the vicar at HTB at the time, and... Justin became a priest. So he owes his status as a priest to the vicar at HTB. Um, and his, his connection to the Alpha Course is so close that when they had their leadership conference at the Albert Hall last year, um, the, the headline event was Nicky Gumbel interviewing the Archbishop, talking about you know, what Nicky Gumbel and the Archbishop would talk about, um, namely the Alpha Course. Uh, in the, the Telegraph, when Welby landed the job as Archbishop, the headline for the story was, HTB 
lands its first Archbishop of Canterbury. All right, so HTB is the Alpha Course. He is the Alpha Course's Archbishop. That's my interpretation of it. So rather than being something that's on the fringes of mainstream Christianity, the Alpha Course is now central. Everyone knows that the the attendance at churches just goes down and down and down year after year. And the Alpha Course is the only, well, it's one of the the few ways that they have available to actually try and turn that around. There's not a lot of information about how successful it is in terms of conversions, for instance, but um, what figures do exist um, out of those figures. In, in New England, a few years ago, there was a survey taken of recent converts to Christianity. Of those converts, about a third became Christians because of the Alpha Course. So as, uh, as influences go, the Alpha Course is, is demonstrably one that the church can't afford to turn its back on anymore. Indeed, it's not just the C of E that puts on... Ooh, it's not just the C of E that puts on the course... Pretty much every denomination can put on the course now because of a, a clever thing about the script where it's color-coded and your denomination can leave out certain parts of the script and add certain parts in, to the extent that the, uh, the Catholic Church now has a version of the Alpha Course that's got, it's actually got an extra session on Mary that, that the rest of the denominations don't, don't have. And, and only, only last week, actually, Justin Welby uh, went out to meet the Pope and Nicky Gumbel was one of the guys that accompanied him and so I've got a photo if you go to my blog which you can find on Google they, uh, the, I've got a nice photo there of Nicky Gumble shaking hands with the Pope and in the Archbishop's address to the Pope he uh, gave particular praise to the Alpha Course for the, uh, the good work it's doing particularly in South America which is obviously where the Pope is from so I hope you can see there that the, the C of E is very, very closely bonded to the Alpha Course these days. The Alpha Course goes right to the top. So back to my own personal experience on the course. Um, by the way, if you hadn't gathered already, I will be saying the phrase Alpha Course quite a lot this evening. and um, I, I'm sorry about that. So St. Peter's Church is the one that I chose because... Um, living in Brighton, whenever you're driving into the city, you, you normally go past this place. It's, uh, it's like a cathedral, and it, it actually closed down for a couple of years, and there was talk about it being converted into flats. But when I was deciding which church to do the course at, I chose this one just because I was curious about what it looked like on the inside, and, and that, that was my sole reason. But it was, it was quite fortunate that I chose St. Peter's because, as I say, the church closed down for a while. It was actually reopened by a team dispatched to it by HTB. Now, HTB do this thing called church planting. Uh, Being a rich church, they can afford to somehow, probably in test tubes, grow a team that you can move into a failing church and they take it over. The team consisting of a a vicar, their partner and and children and uh, other staff. They they grow these teams and they ship them out to, to failing churches. And in the... And they're normally quite successful. In, in the case of uh, St. Peter's, they closed it down because the congregation was dwindling. But now it is an absolutely thriving church. It's got a very, very young congregation. Every night of the week, they've got a different, um, a different club or activity that you can, that you can go to. Uh, the Sunday services are always packed out. They have guest speakers and all that, all that kind of thing. Um, it's, a, it's a real success story of, of church planting. But what that meant... Because St. Peter's is effectively an offshoot of HTB, it meant that when I went on the residential part of the course, the residential weekend, the Brighton team combined with the HTB team, and we went to Bracklesham Bay on the south coast to a holiday park, spent the weekend studying the Holy Spirit, and I got to see Nicky Gumbel himself, the pioneer, I got to see him give a talk on the Saturday night about the Holy Spirit and how we, might, uh, how we might come across manifestations of the Holy Spirit, including things like prophetic dreaming, uh, healing through prayer, words of knowledge where random words that pop into your head mean things to those around you, and last but not least, speaking in tongues. So Nicky Gumbel had the uh, responsibility on, the, on that Saturday night of giving the talk that results in singing in tongues, and it did. It works a treat. Um, 
just on the, uh, the words of knowledge thing while I mention it, again, taught by Nicky Gumbel himself. This is where you'll be, you'll be just sitting there minding your own business as, as you are now, and then a, a word will pop into your head. A word. And when they talk about words of knowledge, they encourage people to shout out what these words are. And then if there's someone else in the room for whom it means something, they're encouraged to say what that is. So uh, this is a, it's a demonstration of the presence of the Holy Spirit and evidence that this power exists here in the room. Anyone got any words popping into their head? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. stage psychics, that kind of thing. Um, So when when I was there, one of the words that was mentioned was foot. I don't know why I just got the word foot. Does the word foot mean anything to anyone in this room? (laughs) Anyone in this room got a bad foot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now we, would, we and most stage psychics would be embarrassed to use that kind of thing as evidence that our deity exists, but they, they actually do that. And it's Nicky Gumbel that does this himself. I must stop going off on these tangents. Otherwise, it will feel like a nine-week course, and I don't actually want that. So the, the format itself, I didn't know how the course was set up at all. I, I wondered if it was going to be some kind of boot camp or like uh, the, the classic Clockwork Orange scene with the, his eyes being pinned open and he had to watch nasty films. I wondered if it's going to be that kind of thing. There's going to be some clever brainwashing going on. I was going to find out what brainwashing actually was on, on the course and I wondered if my atheism could resist that. I thought at some point on the course I'm going to actually face a genuine decision. You know, do I believe in this God or not? That's, that's what I thought might happen. But it, it turns out that it's, uh, it's not as interesting as that. You, it's, uh, it's a little bit like a, a mixture of skeptics in the pub and Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I would say. You, you get into the room, and now on the, on the Brighton course, 100 people started this course the same, the same time that I did. And I, I was a little bit nervous when I, when I first got there. But the first clever and very devious thing they did when I arrived was between, between walking in the door and sitting down, three separate people had welcomed me and they'd said hello to me and introduced themselves and asked who I was and how I'd found out. And then they introduced me to a group of ten people who were going to be my group. So I thought, that's, uh, that's terribly clever and, and devious, this whole welcoming thing, making people feel like, making people feel like they belong there. Maybe that's, maybe that's something I might, I might copy in future. Um, so yeah, you're, uh, you're seated in a group of about ten or so. So on this course, there were ten groups of ten people. So there's a lot of people there. The first thing you do on your typical Alpha course <laughs> session is you, uh, you eat food and you chat with, with your group. You're free to move into a different group if you want. Um, it's, there's, no, there's no problem with that. Now, the, while the Alpha course itself is free which is one of its massive strengths. You know, if, we, if you want to do a humanist alpha course, you've got to hire a venue and then charge people. Immediately, you lose most people. Uh, whereas the church, having built their infrastructure on the blood of non-believers for centuries, they can afford to put it on for free. Um, so anyway, if, but if, you, uh, if you want to eat some food, they ask for a couple of quid, which is, which is fair enough. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of um, eating and talking at the same time. It's just not, not something I like doing. And... So I didn't tend to eat, but most of the Christians around me, for they were mostly Christians, they did eat. And this is when we would chat. And a quick tip here, if you're into spreading the word about humanism to believers, uh, good time to do it is when they're eating, because you can, you can reach the end of all of your sentences and, and, and they can't. So just a little, <laughs> little tip for you there. Now, at the end of the informal chatting session, you were welcomed. In this case, we were welcomed by the vicar, who is called Archie. Fabulous chap. Really, really amazingly kind, funny, caring bloke. Really genuine. Um, he remembered me like, you know, years after I went, because it's a couple of years ago now I went on the course. He, he still remembers me and remembers the name of my daughter. I wish there was a flaw in his character, because I would certainly use that in this talk, but I can't. He's a genuinely great bloke. And this fabulous guy welcomes you to the course, and he tells you what you're going to be studying that evening. Now, the next thing, and the first thing that surprised me, apart from the welcomes, 
is that they sing hymns. Now, it, perhaps I'm naive, but I, I assumed that the Alpha Course was more for people that didn't already call themselves Christians to some extent. However, out of that 100 people, only two of us remained seated and didn't sing when they were singing the hymns. Um, I don't know why the other person sat down there, um, but I, I remained seated because I am an absolute crusader for atheism, and I did not want to be seen to support their, their songs and their, and their belief, so I heroically remained seated. Um, now, again, th- this was a surprise to me. That there were 98 people who were singing, and I did look around, and they were, they were all singing. Singing modern hymns as well, not your nice hymns that we used to sing at school that actually you've got a bit of a soft spot for. These are horrible, horrible. With choruses that go round and round in your head. Uh, with words such as, strength will rise as we wait unto the Lord, sung over and over again. What does it even mean? We don't know. But it goes round and round and round. So you sing a couple of those hymns. Then we get to the actual sermon, which uh, is about half an hour, talking about the subject for the night. Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? How do I I resist evil? Um, What about the church? Uh, The sessions, uh, of which you'll you'll see a bit more detail in in the handbook, and I will go over a couple of them in a sec. Then after that... You have a, a break for coffee and cake, which again is free. And uh, as the course went on, people in, in the groups would uh, make their own cakes and bring them in. And so we'd all contribute to that. And making cakes for a group of people is just one of the best ways of making friends. You know, um, even I participated in that. And it was, as, as the course went on, it was only after about four weeks that I found that these people were now my friends. You know, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to be at loggerheads with them. I was expecting to maybe get kicked off or something like that. But I found that after this four weeks of listening to a subject and then talking about it, um, we knew each other. And we, we almost got to the point where we didn't e- even need to hear what each other's answers to questions would be because we, we knew the kind of person that they were. And I took that away. So when I was having moral conundrums during my time on the Alpha course, I would I think, oh, what would, what would Dan do? What would, um, yeah, what would the other names do? Um, Oh, I'd never actually done that before. But, so that, that, that's quite clever. The whole making friends of people thing, that was quite nice. Oh, yeah, then uh, you have the coffee and cake. Then you have the, the actual group discussion, which was my favourite thing. Now, I've told you that there's ten people in each group, roughly. Actually, th- about three in each group are volunteers. And one of those volunteers is the, uh, like the head of the group, the chair. And the other two will assist the flow of conversation so if it if it peters out they've got a a few pre-prepared questions that they'll put forward just to keep the conversation going on and it sounds a bit sinister that getting on for a third of the attendees were actually volunteers to make the alpha course work but again it worked quite nicely and these conversations were good and and after a few sessions we didn't need the official prompt because we would just talk about each other's lives and our own thoughts on things so that, that is your typical Alpha Course session. Okay. Now, roughly, roughly speaking, the course is typically about nine weeks. The first few sessions are about Jesus, effectively, because Christianity is based on Jesus, believe it or not. And whilst the numbers are high at the start of the course, they want to get the central message of Christianity out to as many people as possible. So they get out the stuff about Jesus himself. Uh, the next few weeks is more about your own personal relationship with God. So that's how you can hear God speaking to you, how you can communicate with him and how much he loves you. And the, the final section is, is based on the, uh, the, the gifts of the, the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Effectively, God making his presence um, a real thing in the world, having an actual effect on our physical bodies and surroundings. And, and that includes all the, uh, the mystical stuff, the magical stuff. Um, obviously, the, the numbers attending the course, they drop off as they do on any, on any course. So it's only the, the hardcore um, attendees are the ones that make it through to the end of the course and get on to the, the magical stuff, which I will demonstrate. Not now, but in a bit. All right, so uh, very briefly, I'll just go over the first few weeks. 
and then we can get to the good stuff. There's a cartoon coming up in about five minutes. First week is, is there more to life than this? That's the name of the, the session. And you actually see that on a lot of the, the advertising for the ad, Alpha course as well. They, they promote it as a, an exploration of the meaning of life and that kind of thing to, to draw you in. And, you know, a, a course that was about the meaning of life sounds kind of interesting. So the, the first session addresses that, addresses that question, you know, is there more to life than this? You know, what, what relevance does Christianity have in, in our world? Um, so there's not a lot of interesting stuff on that session. However, we did get to our first group discussion after this one. Now, because we were mostly English, we had no intention of speaking to each other about any subject to start with. So they started the discussion by your average icebreaker question, which is if you were to be marooned on a desert island but you could take one book with you, what would that book be? And we took it in turns to answer and show what kind of characters we had. It's irresistible to do that with this. And I showed that I am pretentious as my main character trait. Um, Then the next question was, if you could ask God one question, what would that question be? I thought, oh, wow, this is it. This is my opportunity. You know, it's only the first week, and they've already given me the chance to completely remove the foundations of their faith in this this God. An open goal. So uh, different people ask their, their questions like, um, how did you create the world? Why is there evil? When will the world end? You know, perfectly good questions to ask. But when it got round to me, I'd, I'd come up with the perfect question, the ultimate question, which would stump God and convert these people to atheists. And the question I came up with was, God, if there was a person alive on the planet that had the power and money to remove suffering, right? But that person, for whatever reason, just decided not to. Would that person, in your eyes, God, be a sinner, a bad person? And that was an exact copy of the silence that greeted me then. (laughs) And so I explained, I said, well, what, what I'm basically saying here is that God... He could end all suffering now, or now, or now. But he doesn't. Every moment that goes by, he chooses not to do that. So why would it be, why is it okay for him to make that decision and not, not for us? And I thought, there you go. Answer that. And I was expecting a, um, you know, a formal alpha course answer. You, know, you go there to explore these questions and you get a Christian official answer back. Um, and the next person that spoke said, why did you make a day 24 hours long? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come back, come back. We need, you need to know the answer to this question. It's important, not just for me, but for you. And so, so they nodded, and the, I got the official answer that I was after from the, the chair of, of the group. And the official answer to that question is, good question. <laughs> And it's the right answer in a way, because it it is a good question. But it wasn't the answer I was looking for. But that is that is it. Now any and and I quickly found then that the Alpha Course is not actually about exploring tough questions in any meaningful way. Um, They they just generally don't bother with it. It's it's a very, very lightweight version of what Christian theology says and so if there's a tough question they'll uh, recommend a book to you which they did numerous times on, on this course and I've read those books and um, they were not good enough you know, they're horrendous some of them so I, I thought right I'm going to give up trying to ask the ultimate question and just maybe attempt to get on with these people make them perhaps enjoy talking to me as a you know, in, in the same way that their welcoming of me was challenging I thought not being that atheist would be a reciprocal challenge. So, week two. Who is Jesus? Jesus, obviously, is at the heart of what the Alpha Course teaches. Uh, now, everyone on the course has got a Bible to hand, and they often refer to the Bible. All of the evidence for Jesus' existence and nature is there in the Bible. You don't need anything else. They quickly prove the historicity of Jesus because they reckon the New Testament is more reliable than other historical documents. That's it. 
proven. Um, and it, it's also very important that we realize that Jesus, though God, is fully human, and he can experience all of the things that humans experience. So sadness, pain, frustration, joy, everything. So God, God knows exactly what you're all going through. Okay? He's not up there. He's not only up there. He, he knows what it is like to live and die horribly as, as a human. It's, it's important that we hold that in our minds. And then, why did Jesus die? Again, if Jesus hadn't done anything particularly impressive, if he was just some, some teacher or philosopher, there wouldn't be an alpha course about, about him. So what, the reason he died is, is the reason that we worship him, or should worship him, they would say. Now, the way they demonstrate why Jesus died is this, and I'll do the hand actions as well in case you're interested. So God created the world. He created everything, including us humans, here we are, humans. Here are the humans, and here is God. There is God. Here are the humans. God created us. Now, because God is a loving and good God, he wants nothing for his creation other than that they feel the greatest possible joy that it's possible to experience, the love of God, the, create, the creator of this universe that you're sat in. God only once that we might feel the love of that. Can you think of anything more important than that we feel the love of the creator of the universe? And what, what, more is, what more important thing is there to strive for than the love of that God? And God, would, he wishes that we could just feel that love undiluted directly into our hearts or our brains, whichever we think with. Um, it's brains. But... He can't, he can't give us that love because between us and God, there is sin, and sin provides a barrier. And his love cannot penetrate that barrier undiluted. And the only way that God saw fit to remove that barrier and allow us to experience the full nature of his love was the whole Jesus thing, um, which I won't go into. But uh, in, in acting as a, a sacrificial lamb, Jesus died for our sins. In, in being sacrificed, he took away that barrier of sin, opening the way for God's love to reach us once again. And it's the greatest gift that any living thing can do for another is to enable them to feel God's love. Jesus died so that that barrier did not exist anymore. And all they ask, the, the last thing you have to do before you sense that love is acknowledge that that's what Jesus did and he did it for you. It's not too much to ask, is it? Oh, sorry, I feel dirty now. But that's the, um, that's the message there. This is what Jesus did for you. This is why we worship him. Okay, right, cartoon time now. So you can, you can shake off my channeling of the Alpha Course teachers there. Um, how can we have faith is the title for week four. Um, obviously, faith is an important thing. We're into the, the realm of our relationship with God now. And the, the first thing you need for a relationship with God is faith in God. Now, they, they constantly mix up the different meanings of faith depending on what they're talking about. You know, there's, there's... Actually, I'll stop there. I'll watch, watch the cartoon. Now, pay close attention because I will be asking one or two questions. And I want, I want clever observations. Okay. Finally, this is one of the official Alpha Course um, materials. Now, when you, when you sign up to do an Alpha Course, you'll get sent DVDs that illustrate the various stories, and even DVDs that have got Nicky Gumbel delivering the various sessions, so you don't have to. Again, they make it very, very easy. When, when I did my course, they just told this story to illustrate how wonderful faith is, but if you don't want to tell the story, you can just play this cartoon. So, you're, you're on week four of the Alpha Course... And this cartoon is there to tell you about faith. Observe. Jean-Francois Gravelet, better known as Blondine, 
was a famous tightrope walker and acrobat. He's perhaps best known for his many crossings of the tightrope, 1,100 feet in length, suspended 160 feet above Niagara Falls in the USA. His act will be watched by large crowds and begin with a relatively simple crossing using a balancing pole. Then he would throw away the pole and amaze the onlookers. On one occasion, he crossed the tightrope on stilts. On another occasion, blindfolded. Another time, he stopped halfway to cook and eat an omelette. In 1860, a royal party from England came to watch Blondin perform. After his normal spectacular crossings, he then wheeled a wheelbarrow from one side to the other as the crowd cheered. Next, he put a sack of potatoes into the wheelbarrow and wheeled that across. The crowd cheered louder. Then he approached the royal party and asked the Duke of Newcastle, Do you believe that I could take a man across the tightrope in this wheelbarrow? Yes, I do, said the Duke. Ah, Hobbin, replied Blondin. The crowd fell silent. But the Duke of Newcastle would not accept Blondin's challenge. Is there anyone else here who believes I could do it? Asked Blondin. No one was willing to volunteer. Eventually, an old woman stepped out of the crowd and climbed into the wheelbarrow. Blondin wheeled her all the way across and all the way back. The old woman was Blondin's mother, the only person willing to put her life in his hands. Uh, any critique or observations on that cartoon? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Correct. And this is the kind of faith that I actually quite like. You know, because atheists have faith in things, don't we? And it's mostly things that we have some kind of evidence for, not always conclusive evidence for, but of all the people in the world, you'd expect Blondin's mother to be the most aware of his talents, watching him grow up, practicing the whole wheelbarrow thing. She would have thought it bizarre that no one would get in the wheelbarrow. But as you, and you saw as well that when, um, no, when no one else would get into the wheelbarrow, everyone was very shamefacedly looking down at the ground, you know, showing it's a bad thing not to have faith. But they, they do that. They equate um, good faith with not, so, not such high-quality faith. Um, you know, faith in itself is just a good thing. That's the, depth. That's the depth of their message there. Now, you know in real life when stuff happens and you retell that story in order to convey some kind of moral, it's, you, you focus on certain parts of the story and not on others. Because it's, it's too good to be true, isn't it? When, um, when there's an event that... Well, it just doesn't happen. A, an event happens that, when described accurately, completely delivers a moral that you're after. So I thought, well, this story must be too good to be true as well. So I looked into it, and I found that there was a, a problem with this story. They got something fundamentally wrong. And that is that it was not the Duke of Newcastle. It was the Prince of Wales. So there you go. The damning evidence that the Alpha Course, <laughs> the Alpha Course is lying to you. I don't know why they want to big up the name of the Duke of Newcastle or slag him off as they kind of do in this, but it was the Prince of Wales anyway. But that doesn't really interfere with the, the moral of the story and you know, it doesn't matter that they got that little detail wrong. So I, I kind of left it there. But Minty, who runs Lewis Skeptics, is a bit more tenacious than I am at being a skeptic, and he looked at, looked at it a bit more. Um, now, one thing that you'll notice, okay, the first thing we do when we check out this kind of story is Google the story of Blondin. And what you'll find on the internet is the true story of Blondin, which is how it's presented on the Alpha Course, you will only find this version of that story on Christian websites in particular when they're talking about faith. Okay? If you go to um, non-religious 
accounts of what happened at Niagara Falls, you don't get this bit about Blondin's mother going in the wheelbarrow. You get lots of other stuff, like carrying his manager on his back, uh, frying food in the middle of the tightrope. He did indeed do all these things, and there's photographic evidence for that. But it's only the Christian sites that talk about this thing with his mother. Now, perhaps, I mean, being charitable, giving them the benefit of the doubt, it might well be that only the Christians there noticed the thing with the mother, and so we've only heard it through word of mouth through generations of Christians, but, and, and all the reporters missed it and didn't report on it because um, they saw everything else. So anyway, uh, again, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and, and it doesn't really affect, again, the, the moral of this story or their reasons for telling me this story. I don't, I don't mind. However... I wonder if you guys might think differently about this story. If you found out that Blondin's mother was not present at Niagara Falls because she'd been dead for 26 years. Because <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> this, but they, they don't, unfortunately, tell the story in that way. This is the true story of Blondin. It's something they're telling us is true. They're demonstrating the faith of this sweet old lady to make us all go, oh, faith is nice. Didn't even happen. Didn't even happen at all. So for me, this just crosses over the line from a harmless mistake or a harmless fib to one that is actually making stuff up so that you think something that you didn't think before. And again, it's quite harmless. Oh, the moral, as I said, faith is nice. Yeah. This is the thing. I don't know whether this version of the story originated on the Alpha Course or if it originated on some other Christian site, but Christian sites use this story. I, I often look for a secular retelling of this story that mentions um, Blondin's mother because then I would have to ditch this part of the talk, um, but I, I can't find it. Um, so I asked, um, before I knew this was not true, I asked the people in my group whether it would matter if Jesus existed or not in, in terms of... The, the truth of his teachings. So we're there because of the teachings of Christ and because and of what he did. If we found out definitely that Jesus didn't exist, would it affect our, our views on what Jesus said? And to my surprise, most of the people in the group said, yes, it would. If, if they knew for a fact that Jesus didn't exist, it would undermine their, their faith in everything that was said. Um, and that surprised me a little because making up stories to tell a point is not inherently evil. Take the book Pollyanna, for instance. Who's read Pollyanna? A few of you. I love Pollyanna. She gets a, she gets a bad rap. People say if you're being Pollyanna-ish, you're being um, unrealistically optimistic all the time. But Pollyanna isn't about that. She's about taking a, a bad situation and learning something from it, taking something positive from it. And for me, this is you know, Pollyanna is a humanist genius. and The, the book is itself a humanist manual doesn't bother me at all that I know for a fact Pollyanna didn't exist. It's the, the point of the story is, is what, it, what it contains rather than the reality of it. So anyway, with the whole Blondin thing, I, I think what we're seeing here is the development of a new Christian myth, right? I reckon, and I, I will bet on this if I ever have the opportunity, but in about a thousand years, in the uh, revised New Testament will be a, a, lo- a little story added on where Jesus tightrope walked across Niagara Falls... <laughs> Taking, taking Mary in, in the wheelbarrow with him. And that would just be... We, we're seeing the, the seeds of a story rooted in truth becoming something completely different in order to get a moral across. And that's what I think we're seeing here. Right, now. Now we're at the, the, final, the final part of the talk. The, as I say, the course is nine weeks long, but after six weeks you get into the realm of the Holy Spirit. And it kicks off with the residential weekend. Now, while the remainder of the Alpha course is free to attend, the residential course uh, cost me about 90 quid, but I'm obsessed with this thing, so I I went on it. Uh, They do actually offer a bursary for people that can't afford it. Uh, They raise loads of money from those who attend to pay for those who can't afford it. It's quite impressive, really. But, um, yeah, this the the point of this, this weekend is to study the Holy Spirit. Now, normally you have one Alpha Course session a week, and that's enough to be getting on with. Over this weekend, you have four formal Alpha Course sessions interspersed with periods of actual worship, not just singing hymns, but worships. 
and masses, as well as singing, as well as all the group discussions. So it's very, very intense. From, from the moment you get there on the Friday evening, it's all about the Holy Spirit. And actually, they have an incredibly intense party on the Saturday night as well. I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, they're really getting into it of like pounding, you know, um, whatever they call techno music these days. But it was, that was all going on. It shocked me because that had happened on the Saturday night after we'd all witnessed some, well, miracles, basically. Now, the, uh, so we're introduced to the Holy Spirit and its gifts and the things that it does. Again, by referring to the Bible. Now, there's a, there's a sense of expectation at this part of the course. People know about the whole Alpha Course and speaking in tongues thing. And it's this weekend that those things happen. We didn't really talk about them, but it was, it was there. There was a sense that stuff's going to happen. Now, in the, the first talk, they talk about who is the Holy Spirit. They describe it as, you know, God's... It's the personification of God's will. It's the thing that carries out his, his will in us. Um, and there's lots of personal stories about how they've gained strength from the Holy Spirit. Uh, what does the Holy Spirit do is the next talk. And uh, again, they read passages from the Bible to demonstrate the, the facts about what the Holy Spirit does. Now, even on the residential weekend, everyone's got a Bible. Every chair has got a Bible underneath it. Now, during the, uh, the second talk... Again, there's this sense of anticipation. Stuff's going to happen. We were told to open our Bibles at a, at a particular chapter where they were going to mention what the Holy Spirit did. And as I picked up the book, and then I dropped it again, and it fell open, and I picked it up and looked, and it had fallen open on the very page that had the chapter they wanted us to look at. So I kept that to myself and, uh, and just read it. Because the thing is, if, I, if I'd have mentioned that that had happened, that would have been it. You know, that's, the miracle has happened. Um, so I didn't, I didn't share that, selfishly. But that's the kind of atmosphere you're in now, okay? I'm, I'm trying to make you guys feel like you're there a bit. So I'm, I'm repeating certain things over and over again. Um, now imagine, imagine that you're quite tired, okay? Because you've been up late drinking, talking about the Holy Spirit. You've been up all day studying the Holy Spirit. You've, you've been out for a great big walk with your, with your friends on, on the beach, you've had a big deep chat with your vicar and everything. You know the Holy Spirit inside out. And these hymns, these awful, awful hymns are ringing around in your head. Now imagine you were someone that was looking for answers to questions about, about faith. This, this atmosphere, it, it builds up and it builds up. Along with your tiredness and those awful hymns. And the drip feeding of what it is that the Holy Spirit does. Until you get to the Saturday night. Now this is where Nicky Gumbel, remember the overlord of the Alpha Course, mates with the Archbishop, you know, good mates with the Archbishop, buddies with the Pope now. So the centre of the Alpha Course. He gave this talk, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I got to eyeball the guy as he was doing it. And, and I'd resorted again to furiously scribbling notes because um, I, wanted, I wanted to cover everything accurately. So he, he talks a little bit about... Um, tongues after about half an hour of generally talking about the holy spirit he mentions speaking in tongues and there's a there's a kind of a an intake of breath across the room you know this is what we're here for and he, he explains a little bit about speaking in tongues yeah it's nothing to be afraid of firstly it does happen sometimes but you're amongst friends and the holy spirit only ever does good things so if you if you should feel the urge to express your love of God through the speaking of tongues, it's nothing negative that's happened. You know, demons can't do that. This is only something the Holy Spirit can do. Okay, so don't hold it back, but you don't have to let it out. Now, what speaking in tongues is, according to Nicky Gumbel, is it's, it's a few different things, a few different phenomena. Firstly, it's an angelic language. It's the language of heaven. It's, the, it's a language that they talk in up in heaven. Okay. Now, you might suddenly start to do that start doing that but you might not secondly it's what it can be very often is a private language between you and god and this is something that surprised me is that a lot of people on my group have this manifestation quite a lot literally on their way to work they'll be thinking about how much they love god and rather than resorting to these clumsy english words that, w that we have to try and encapsulate and express how much they love god they decide to just 
let that feeling come out directly from their soul. And it comes out in what sounds to us like gibberish. But, is, but God knows what they mean. You know, they, they are, they're talking, they're putting their love for God directly into sounds for God. And he, he can decipher them. And the, the other variation on speaking in tongues is that it's, the, it's the, the sudden ability to speak or understand a language that you haven't studied before. Okay, so you hear about this quite a lot. Um, in, in the Bible especially where all of a sudden you can speak a bunch of languages and go and spread the word so you've got these different variations on what speaking in tongues is now I'll leave that up there for a sec Yeah. now what I'm going to do at, at this point um, I'm just going to read a little extract from the, from the script okay Now, Nicky Gumbel wrote the script. So when, when he delivers these talks, which he does very, very regularly, and you can now see them on YouTube, he, uh, he sticks very closely to it. So, again, put yourself in the room, and for the next five minutes, imagine that I am Nicky Gumbel, and you trust me. Now, this is, this is the official Alpha Course script, and this is me channeling Nicky Gumbel. Now... I'm not suggesting that any of these things will necessarily happen. I find this a very difficult balance, or sort of kind of walking a tightrope here. Because when we talk about manifestations of the spirit, the physical manifestations that may occur, sometimes people have said to me, Nicky, this is auto-suggestion. You're suggesting these things will happen, and that's why they happen. So the next time I talked about these... Well, God, I cocked it up. So the next time I talked about these things... I didn't talk about them at all. That makes no sense, but it's in the script. And then they happened, and people came to me, and they said, why didn't you talk about these things, Nicky? Because we were so surprised by them. And I wish you'd said something to warn us that they might happen, because we didn't know what was happening. So I'm trying to say to you, I'm not suggesting to you that they will happen, but all I'm saying to you, if they do happen, it's perfectly normal. It's simply a little physical manifestation of something that is very important but it's the something that is important not the manifestations that are important one day I'll learn this off by heart so it really doesn't matter whether you have physical manifestations it doesn't matter what matters is what happens in your heart and some people do and some people don't it's a bit like falling in love When you fall in love, people are different. Some people, when they fall in love, they're British and they feel nothing. (laughs) Speak for yourself, Nikki. Other people, when they fall in love, bear in mind the mention of auto-suggestion just now. Other people, when they fall in love, they get all kinds of tinglings in their spine and their heart starts thumping. Now those manifestations are not what matters. It's the falling in love that matters. It would be absurd, wouldn't it, to say, oh, you know, when I met this person, I got tinglings in my spine and my heart was thumping. Now I wonder whether there's a a book on heart thumping, tingling in the spine. I'd like to go on a course on tinglings in the spine so I can get more tinglings in my spine. Anyone got any tinglings in their spine? Mild nausea? Yeah? <laughs> anyway, so that, that's part of the shtick that we get. And this is all it's part of the, um, the process of singing the hymns, talking about how normal all this stuff is, um, gradually building up to the the sense that this, this could well happen this evening. Now, again, you trust, you trust Nicky Gumbel because you, know, you see what friends he's got. You know, he's got no reason to, to lie to us at all. And he, he's got no reason to manipulate us to make things happen. And you know, he's preaching Christianity, which, as David Cameron says, is pretty much the same as goodness. So it might be a surprise. When, when you look at the official Alpha Course script... There's, a, there's, something, there's something in there. Again, so the script written by Nicky Gumbel 
this is an extract from it. This is an actual screenshot from the PDF of their script, which I downloaded before they made it so that you couldn't. Um, now, you've got the main column here, which is the script, and there's the color code that I told you about. So uh, depending on what color it is, you can either do your own version of it or drop it completely or do something more suited to your denomination. But whenever there's a, a red note, you look to the margin to see what the margin tells you to do with that note. So I'm just going to uh, revert to Nicky Gumble again and, and go through this bit. Okay, so he's just referred us to uh, a, a bit of the Bible. Uh, Paul talks there about two types of tongues. First of all, human speaking in tongues in a human language, and secondly, an angelic language. Occasionally, people receive the gift of tongues in a way that is recognizably a human language. In fact, it happened last weekend. Someone was praying over somebody in what turned out to be Russian is the version that he, he told us on the night. So that last bit, it happened last weekend. Someone was praying over somebody in what turned out to be Arabic, he says there. You follow to the margin, to the red instruction, and it says, use the text in red or replace it with your own example. Okay? So as part of making this phenomena seem normal, making you feel comfortable if it happened, they say... If it didn't happen last week, say it did. And that, that I found pretty shocking. See, up until this point on the Alpha course, um, I'd found what we all had on, in common in the course was that we were all trying to improve ourselves in some way, all trying to make ourselves better people by, in, in some way, going to people that we, we trusted or that we thought were wise, just, just so that we can... Um, improve ourselves a little bit and a lot of what they said was just it was just basic good humanist stuff um, with, with the theology thrown in but remember it's, it was the, the talking in the groups and the drinking of tea and the eating of cakes weekly with these people is the thing that really kind of affected me so to find that this group of people who I really liked were actively being, being lied to by this, by this guy that they trusted quite deeply, um, really upset me. And, and it's, it still upsets me. And it's, it's kind of why I, I do this talk, is because I think there's a lot of, a lot of good that something that the, like the Alpha, Port, Alpha, the Alpha Course can potentially do. But they mix in all this manipulative, unnecessary stuff, and that upsets me massively. So anyway, at the, at the end of uh, Nicky's little script there, if, if perhaps he was giving that, that talk in um, America people would have started speaking in tongues after about two minutes of walking into the room. But this is England, obviously, and we don't feel anything. So still, on the Saturday night, despite the onslaught that we'd been witnessing, still no one was speaking in tongues. And he was assuring us, you know, it's okay if, if it doesn't happen to you. You don't have to let it happen, okay? You might feel this urge, and you don't have to let that urge out. But if you do, it's normal. And those around you are the most supportive people you will possibly find if you're going to be doing this, this thing in public. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't have to happen, but if it does, it's fine. Still no speaking in tongues. So as, as he carries on assuring us, you know, Nicky Gumble, who we trust, a chap walks up onto the stage with a guitar and starts just sort of strumming a little bit. then says oh, sorry just a quick note about the guitar it's impossible to tune so just pretend it sounds nice okay <laughs> 
And if you were to speak in tongues, it might sound a little something like this. <laughs> and then the guy on the guitar starts going. La 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 ya, ma la 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 ya. Still nobody. Soulless. Often, when this is done on ground floor, people walking past the windows wonder what the hell is going on. Um, but, you know, after a couple of suggestions of this nice sort of harmonic thing, just random sounds, all of a sudden a few people in the front row are inspired and they start singing in tongues, harmonising with the guy on the guitar as he does it. Then a few more people join in and then Nicky suggests that we, uh, we stop there and break up into smaller groups and pray for each other. So I'm going to suggest that you go and have a pint and then ask me some questions <laughs> in about 15 minutes. Thank you for listening.